Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? You know what? Some folks you need to say when they ask you something, you need to say, you know what? That's just stupid. <laughs> oh, you calling me stupid? No, no, no. I think I'll be more biblical. You're a fool. <laughs> You're just a fool. You're a fool, man. You're just a fool. You call me a fool? Yeah. What you gonna do? But you know, don't, don't, don't get in. Don't go back. Some people, they just want to argue. Well, they're talking about authority. Here it is. They're talking about authority. Jesus says, now get this. He doesn't answer them directly. He answers them concerning authority in two parables. He says, fellas, you want to know where I get my authority from? It comes from two sources. Number one, the father. And number two, the son. Notice what he says in verses 28 through 32. In verse 28, if you're there, say amen. But what do you think Jesus says? And notice, he said, I'm not going to answer you. But then he stands there. I get the impression Jesus is kind of folds his arms and says, you know, guys, you know, what do you think about this? Hey, listen to this. A man had two sons and he came to the first and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, the son said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and he went. And then the father, this man came to the second son And he said, likewise. And he answered and said, I'll go, sir. But he did not go. Jesus said, which of the two did the will of his father? Well, they said to him, well, of course, the first. And Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes enter the kingdom of God before you. Man, them guys are pulling their hair out. They're like, but their eyes are bulging, the temperature. You see those cartoons where like smoke comes from the ears. You know, they're just like, oh, we're going to kill you. Tax collectors, harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John in verse 32 came to you in the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. But tax collectors and harlots, they believe him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward repent or relent and believe him. Stop right there talking about, you want to know about authority, the authority of the father. This is a very, very, very simple parable. Remember I told you, work with me, a parable is an earthly story with what? A heavenly meaning. Good, you got it. Here's a very simple earthly story with a heavenly meaning. A man wanted his sons to go to work in the family vineyard. He asked the first son, The first son showed, did you notice, no courtesy to his father. He said, I will not. Notice he didn't even say, sir, I will not. See, in that culture, you didn't speak to your father that way. You would address him appropriately. And you would respect him and show honor to him by saying, sir. 
So this first son did not show courtesy to his father. He didn't even say, sir, I will not. He didn't give a reason why he would not. But later, did you notice this? He repented. He changed his mind. He regretted it. And he went. Well, the second son, he was polite. And he answered his father properly. He said, I will go, sir. Sir, oh, yes, I will. And yet he had no intentions of doing it. Like my kids. Oh, you know how it goes. Clean your room. Yes, dad. Yes, sir. I will. Yes, I will. And I've fallen into this trap as parent, you know. Okay. uh, Can I go out now? Are you done with your room? Yes, sir. I am. And then I trusted them. And they left the house. And then I went up in the room and I'm like, oh kill him and you walk in the room and all the stuff is stuffed under the bed the bed's up off the floor there's so much stuff under the bed did you clean this room yes i did i did well how come this pepsi can has been in here for 47 weeks yes i will you see and then jesus answered asked the question did you notice which of the two did the will of the father Well, the religious leaders answered the first and then Jesus dropped a bombshell on them and he said, good answer. You're right. And that's why the tax collectors and the harlots are going to get into the kingdom before you. Now, what's going on here? Jesus is simply drawing a picture of two kinds of sinners, not a good one and a bad one, but people who know that they are sinners and need salvation and those who are sinners And they think they're okay. They think they don't need salvation. You see, the first son represents the tax collectors and the harlots who are sinners and in need of salvation. And we all know people like that. We all know people who say, I will never go to church. I want nothing to do with God. I remember there's a brother here, and I won't tell you who he is, but he's here serving in the church. I mean, when I first met him two years ago, I went over his house and we were just sitting down. I was with his wife and visiting with them and he didn't go to church and she did to this church. And so I went over, I think, for dinner just for fellowship. So we're sitting out in the little sunroom area. And remember, he didn't go to church, don't even know God. We sit down. And he says, preacher, out of nowhere. I mean, we didn't, he didn't even hug me or nothing. Just all up on me. You know, he said, preacher. I want you to know something. On Saturday night, I'm going to drink my liquor and I'm going to listen to my music. I ain't going to church. You know, like that. I looked at him. I said, did I ask you about that? I said, you can drink your liquor. Whatever. Do it. Hey, I'm just here for a dinner, man. I mean, all that ain't necessary. You know, you know, I could just leave. I mean, I don't need this. And, and, you know, so, and, you know, I will never go to church. Do you, I don't want anything to do with church. Do you know that very same gentleman, just shortly after that, gave his life to Christ. And not only did he give his life to Christ, now he's serving the Lord, loving the Lord. And me and him sit around and just chuckle about that one situation. Because <laughs> God is so good. Amen, saints? I'm telling you, we serve a God who is awesome. Two words. Awesome. <laughs> 
And we all know people like the first son who said, I will not. And yet they repent and they turn to God. And then we know people like the second son who represents the scribes and the Pharisees who say, oh, yeah, we're religious. Yes, we'll go to church. Yes, we'll love God. Yes, sir, we'll do it. We will go. And they lie and they don't. And Jesus said the tax collectors and the sinners will get into heaven before you. Why? Because they believed and they truly repented. Two short parables we have here. The one we just read is another, a short parable, but yet we can learn many, many things. Number one, taking notes, here's something we can learn right off the bat. That Jesus doesn't want a profession of our faith, but he wants a possession of our faith. He doesn't want, God does not, saints, listen, God, listen, God does not want lip service. Amen. I, oh, yes, I love you, God. Oh, yes, I'll serve you. Oh, yes, I'll do all the things that you have called me to do. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Listen, just because somebody says they're a Christian, just because they say they serve God, just because they say they love God, does not mean that they really are. The Bible says you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. That's how you know. And I think Christians, we're too gullible. We think just because a person comes down the aisle that they got saved. And so people say, oh, Pastor Rodney, how come you guys don't have more altar calls? People coming, how come people aren't coming down the aisles and that kind of stuff? You know why? Because one, we do as I feel led of the Lord to do them, but I don't do them just because I feel like I need to have to do them because I understand that all the calls don't save people. Jesus saves. Look, I've seen many people come down the aisle crying and tissues and the whole nine, you know, you know, just, <laughs> you know, you're crying hard, your shoulders, <laughs> you know, you're crying hard when your shoulders get going, you know. And they come down the aisle and they go, oh, oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you see them a week later, bro, how you doing? Well, I ain't doing good. I guess that old salvation thing didn't take. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. No, the Lord does not want lip service. He wants a changed life. And I do believe in the touch and the transformation and the power of God. I still believe that. I'm from the old school. Okay, fine. But I do believe that when God truly touches your life and God truly transforms your life, you will be changed. No questions asked. It's not just a profession, but it's a possession. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away and behold what saints all things become new. So we learn God doesn't want a profession of our faith. He wants a possession of our faith. Own it. Be real about it. And then we also learn no matter how bad your sin is, if you trust the Lord, he'll save you. Notice in verse 31 in your Bibles. I love this. Right next to verse 31, I wrote, praise the Lord. Notice it says, tax collectors and harlots go into the kingdom. And I wrote, praise the Lord. You see, no religion will qualify a person to get into heaven and no sin will keep a person out of heaven if they believe and repent. Amen, saints. No matter how sinful a person's past. If you repent, you're going to heaven. Man, I think when you get to heaven, when we get to heaven, there are going to be some surprises when you get there. I think largely you're going to be surprised that you in heaven. Now, you know I'm right. You know. Come on. You're going to be like, 
man, I made it. <laughs> I can't believe it. Smoke all back here, you know. It's like, woo, I made it. Hallelujah. Woo. Whew, it was really close. <laughs> Come on, you know, you're going to be surprised you're in heaven. And you know what? You're also going to be surprised at the other people who are in heaven. You really will be. I mean, you're going to be surprised that heaven is filled with drug addicts, redeemed, forgiven drug addicts. Heaven is filled with prostitutes. Used to be. Yes, it's right. Heaven is filled with redeemed murderers and redeemed robbers. Hey, heaven is filled with redeemed lawyers. Is it possible? If you're a lawyer, you know I love you. I'm going to need you to defend me. I better be Heaven is filled, listen, with evildoers of every description. And conversely, you're going to be surprised at who isn't in heaven. You see, we think the people who are going to be in heaven are the people who go to church. We think the people who are going to be in heaven are the people who carry really big Bibles or the people who gave money or the people who helped with the building project at church. The people who bought the church a pew because they were trying to, you know, folk, they do that in churches. They, you buy a pew. Have you heard of this? You buy a pew and get your little plaque with your family name on the side. You buy, I buy a pew? And then you come into church and somebody's sitting in your pew. And you say, uh, excuse me, uh, you're in my seat. And well, who said it was your seat? Um, right there, <laughs> right there. This is what people do. Oh, well, I'm going to go to heaven now because I'm a good person because, you know, I, I, I don't do bad things. I don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do, you know, I don't, I don't go to the movie theater. I don't wear makeup. I don't, I don't wear makeup. No, wear a little makeup y'all. Help a brother out. And, you know, all these things that, you know, that what you don't do, and we, and, you know, my point is this, is that we think that these things are spiritual by some way that they're spiritual, that I don't do these things. You know, the, no, in order to make it into heaven, listen, there's only one thing you need to do, and that is the Bible says is to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and then to be saved and to not reject the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. As Jesus said, that's the only unforgivable sin, that if you reject the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, Jesus said you won't be forgiven in this life or the life to come. Not all of these things. So there'll be some surprises when we get to heaven. Now, talking about authority, the authority of the Father, and then lastly, the authority of the Son, really quickly, look in verse 33. If you're there, say amen. Jesus says, here's another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard, set a hedge around it, dug a vine press in it, a wine press in it, then built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and he went into a far country. Now, when vintage or harvest time drew near, the he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took the servants and he beat one, killed one, stoned the other. And again, he sent other servants more than the first and they did likewise to them. And then last of all, notice what he did. 
he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. Surely they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And so they took him and they cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Jesus asked the question. Well, they said in verse 41, he's going to destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who render to him the fruits in his season. And Jesus said to them, don't you know your Bible? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in his eyes. Therefore, Jesus says, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to another nation bearing the fruits of it. That will be the Gentiles, guys. The church and whoever, verse 44, falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him the powder. And notice verse 45. When the chief priest and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. Duh. <laughs> hey, he talking about us? You talking about me? She's like, yeah, yeah. Buy a clue. Yeah. Simple parable. Very easy. A landowner planted a vineyard, and then he leased it to a group of professional vine dressers. They agreed to give him a certain percentage of the profits. He went on a business trip, and at harvest time, he sent some people to collect. But instead of giving the boys the money, they gave one of them a beaten, and the other they killed. The owner sent some more servants. They did the same thing to them. The owner decided... I'm going to send my son. Surely they're going to respect my son in verse 37. But they saw another opportunity. They killed the son and took his money. And when Jesus finished telling the story, notice he turns and he looks at them and he says, what do you think the owner of the vineyard should do to the vine dressers? And they said, kill him and lease to someone else who is honest and will repay. Now, in the parable, God is the landowner. The vineyard is the nation of Israel. The wicked servants are the leaders of the nation. That would be the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, religious leaders. Isaiah chapter 5, read it in your own time. We have a picture of Israel likened unto a great vineyard that God planted. The servants sent to collect, who are they? They are God's prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, John the Bee, prophets of God. And they beat them and they killed them and they stoned them and they rejected the prophets. And then finally, he sent his only son. John chapter 3, verse 16. Doesn't it remind you of that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if anybody believes in him, they won't perish. God sent his son. I mean, think about that. If you're a homeowner and you rented one of your homes and you had to collect the rent and you send two of your hitmen, I mean, apartment managers. <laughs> to collect on your rent. One of them got beat up and the other one never showed up again. Would you then send your only son? Oh, yes, yeah, son. Would you help me out today? I need to go collect my rent. So would you go collect my rent for me? Would you do that? I wouldn't do that. No one would do that except God. 
And what does that tell us? It tells us, teaches us that God has amazing patience. God is patient. Over and over again, he sent his prophets and they stoned them and they killed them and they rejected them. And it's amazing that God would send his only son. His only son. You've seen the movie Luther? If you've seen the movie Luther, raise your hand. Okay, good. That's not enough of y'all. See the movie. It's awesome, awesome. If you saw the movie, you know that Luther was something else. He was a preacher that didn't play. I love the movie. It's wonderful. But he said this. Luther said, Martin Luther said, if I were God and the world had been had treated me as it treated him, I would kick the wretched thing to pieces. I like that. That's just like Luther. But that's not like God. That's like us. But that's not like God. God is patient. God is loving. So he sent last of all his only son. And the Bible says that if you reject his son, the Bible's clear. You cannot be saved. C.H. Spurgeon said, if you reject him, he answers you with tears. If you wound him, he bleeds out cleansing. If you kill him, he dies to redeem. If you bury him, he rises again to bring resurrection. Jesus is love made manifest. His only son. So Jesus said, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what do you think we should do? Because they killed my son. And notice they are condemning themselves in their own answer. They said he will destroy them and he should destroy them and lease the vineyard to someone else in verse 41. And that's exactly what's going to happen, because in just a couple of decades, Israel is going to be temporarily destroyed and set aside and the Gentiles will be saved. And then Jesus quotes Psalm 118, verse 22 and 23. The stone which the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in his eyes. The chief cornerstone. Now, I'm not a builder. I can't build a birdhouse, and I don't know why, I just don't get it. But I do know that when you're building a building, the most important stones are the foundation stones. If the foundation stone is out of plumb, then the walls won't be square. And so the cornerstone sets the whole building. It's the most important stone. And 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the most important stone. And Jesus is saying, you guys have rejected the most important thing. You've rejected your Savior and your Messiah, and they set him aside. But not only is Jesus the chief cornerstone, but he is also the salvation stone. Because notice in verse 44, and whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. You see, Jesus is saying, whoever falls on this stone will be broken or saved. In other words, Jesus is the stone. If you fall on him and say, Lord, forgive me. God, I'm a sinner. Lord, save me. And I humble myself and I fall on the stone. Then you won't be broken. The picture is of this massive stone that you come to weeping and calling out for salvation. But if this same massive stone falls on you, you will be crushed and ground to powder. So you either are broken before him or you are going to be broken by him. You can fall on the stone or the stone will fall on you. And that's why the Bible says, now I get it. Thank you, Lord. Now I get it. When Jesus says, when the word of God says, every knee shall bow. 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now I get it. Every knee will bow. Every knee shall confess. Now, you either bow your knee and fall on the stone, or you will bow because the stone will fall on you. Either way, you will bow. And that's why you need to willingly say, God, I come to you. I humble myself before you, and I fall on you and ask you to save me. And Lord, don't crush me. Lord, may I decide to bring myself into submission and subjection to your will, your plan, because you're the chief cornerstone. And we, the church, we're stones fitly framed together to make up a holy habitation unto God. But he is the most important stone. That's what Peter says, and that's true. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.